Good evening. I hope you've had a great day today. Welcome to BBJ's Bedtime Stories. I'm Big Voice Jay, and this is the show where we get you ready for a good night's sleep with public domain short stories just for you. Links to all the stories can be found in the show notes at bedtimewithbvj.com. And if you'd like to support the show, there's a buy me a coffee link in every post. Tonight we continue our story, The Wind in the Willows, by Kenneth Graham. When he had rested a while, the stranger sighed, snuffed the air, and looked about him. That was clover, that warm whiff on the breeze, he remarked. And those are cows we hear cropping the grass behind us and blowing softly between mouthfuls. There is a sound of distant reapers, and yonder rises a blue line of cottage smoke against the woodland. The river runs somewhere close by, for I hear the call of a moorin, and I see by your build that you're a freshwater mariner. Everything seems asleep and yet going on all the time. It is a goodly life that you lead, friend, no doubt the best in the world, if only you are strong enough to lead it. Yes, it's the life, the only life to live, responded the water rat dreamily, and without his usual wholehearted conviction. I did not say exactly that, replied the stranger cautiously, but no doubt it's the best. I've tried it, and I know, and because I've just tried it, six months of it, and I know it's the best, here am I, foot sore and hungry, tramping away from it, tramping southward, following the old call back to the old life, the life which is mine and which will not let me go. Is this, then, yet another one of them? mused the rat. And where have you just come from? he asked. He hardly dared to ask where he was bound for. He seemed to know the answer only too well. Nice little farm, replied the wayfarer. Briefly, I belong in that direction, he nodded northwards. Never mind about it. I had everything I could want, everything I had any right to expect of life, and more. And here I am. Glad to be here all the same, though. Glad to be here. So many miles further on the road, so many hours nearer to my heart's desire. His shining eyes held fast to the horizon. And he seemed to be listening for some sound that was wanting from that inland acreage. Vocal as it was with the cheerful music of pasturage in farmyard. You are not one of us, said the water rat, nor yet a farmer, nor even, I should judge, of this country. Right, replied the stranger. I'm a seafaring rat, I am, and the port I originally hail from is Constantinople, though I'm a sort of a foreigner there, too, in a manner of speaking. You will have heard of Constantinople, friend? A fair city and an ancient and glorious one. And you may have heard, too, of Sigurd, king of Norway, and how he sailed thither with sixty ships, and how he and his men rode up through streets all canopied in their honor, with purple and gold, and how the emperor and empress came down and banqueted with him on board his ship. 
When Sigurd returned home, many of his Northmen remained behind and entered the Emperor's bodyguard. And my ancestor, a Norwegian-born, stayed behind too, with the ships that Sigurd gave the Emperor. Seafarers we have ever been, and no wonder. As for me, the city of my birth is no more my home than any pleasant port between there and the London River. I know them all, and they know me. Set me down on any of their keys or foreshores, and I am home again. I suppose you go great voyages, said the water rat, with growing interest. Months and months out of sight of land, and provisions running short and allowanced as to water, and your mind communing with the mighty ocean and all that sort of thing. By no means, said the sea rat, frankly. Such a life as you describe would not suit me at all. I'm in the coasting trade and rarely out of sight of land. It's the jolly times on shore that appeal to me as much as any seafaring. All these southern seaports, the smell of them, the riding lights at night, the glamour. Well, perhaps you have chosen the better way, said the water rat, but rather doubtfully. Tell me something of your coasting, then, if you've a mind to. And what sort of artifice an animal of spirit might hope to bring home from it to warm his latter days with gallant memories by the fireside? For my life, I confess to you, feels to me somewhat narrow and circumscribed. My last voyage began to see rat. That landed me eventually in this country, bound with high hopes for my inland farm, will serve as a good example of any of them, and as indeed as an epitome of my highly colored life. Family troubles, as usual, began it. The domestic storm cone was hoisted, and I shipped myself on board a small trading vessel bound from Constantinople, by classic seas whose every wave throbs with a deathless memory, to the Grecian islands and the Levant. Those were golden days and balmy nights. In and out of harbor all the time, old friends everywhere, sleeping in some cool temple or ruined cistern during the heat of the day, feasting in song after sundown, under great stars set in a velvet sky. Thence we turned and coasted up the Adriatic, its shores swimming in an atmosphere of amber, rose, and aquamarine. We lay in wide, landlocked harbors. We roamed through ancient and noble cities, until at last one morning, we rode into Venice down a path of gold. Oh, Venice is a fine city, wherein a rat can wander at his ease and take his pleasure. Or when weary of wandering, can sit at the edge of the Grand Canal at night, feasting with his friends when the air is full of music and the sky full of stars, and the lights flash and shimmer on the polished steel prows of the swaying gondolas, packed so that you could walk across the canal on them from side to side. And then the food. Do you like shellfish? Well, well, we won't linger over that now. He was silent for a time, and the water rat, silent too and enthralled, floated on dream canals, and heard a phantom song pealing high between vaporous gray wave-lapped walls. Southwards we sailed again at last, continued the sea rat, coasting down the Italian shore till finally we made Palermo, 
And there I quitted for a long, happy spell on shore. I never stick too long to one ship. One gets narrow-minded and prejudiced. Besides, Sicily is one of my happy hunting grounds. I know everybody there and their ways just suit me. I spent many jolly weeks on the island, staying with friends up country. When I grew restless again, I took advantage of a ship that was traveling to Sardinia and Corsica. I was very glad to feel the fresh breeze and the sea spray in my face once more. But isn't it very hot and stuffy down in the hold, I think you call it? asked the water rat. The seafarer looked at him with the suspicion of a wink. I'm an old hand, he remarked, with much simplicity. The captain's cabin's good enough for me. It's a hard life by all accounts, murdered the rat, sunk in deep thought. For the crew it is, replied the seafarer gravely, again with the ghost of a wink. From Corsica, he went on, I made use of a ship that was taking wine to the mainland. We made a lasso in the evening, lay to, hauled up our wine casks and hove them overboard, tied one to the other by a long line. Then the crew took to the boats and rowed shorewards, singing as they want and drawing after them the long, bobbing procession of casks, like a mile of porpoises. On the sands they had horses waiting, which dragged the casks up the steep street of the little town with a fine rush and clatter and scramble. When the last cask was in, we went in and refreshed and rested and sat late into the night drinking with our friends. And next morning I took to the great olive woods for a spell and a rest. For now I had done with islands for the time, and the ports and shipping were plentiful, so I led a lazy life among the peasants, lying and watching them work or... Stretched high on the hillside with the blue Mediterranean far below me. And so, at length, by easy stages, and partly on foot, partly on sea, to Marseille. And the meeting of old shipmates, and the visiting of great ocean-bound vessels, and feasting once more. Talk of shellfish, <laughs> why, sometimes I dream of the shellfish of Marseille, and I wake up crying. That reminds me, said the polite water rat. You happened to mention that you were hungry, and I ought to have spoken earlier. Of course, you will stop and take your midday meal with me. My hole is close by. It is sometime past noon, and you are very welcome to whatever there is. Now I call that kind and brotherly of you, said the sea rat. I was indeed hungry when I sat down. And ever since I inadvertently happened to mention shellfish, my pangs have been extreme. But couldn't you fetch it along out here? I am none too fond of going under hatches, unless I'm obliged to. And then, while we eat, I could tell you more concerning my voyages and the pleasant life I lead. At least it is very pleasant to me. And by your attention I judge it commends itself to you... Whereas if we go indoors, it is a hundred to one that I shall presently fall asleep. That is an excellent suggestion, said the water rat, and hurried off home. There he got out the luncheon basket and packed a simple meal, in which, remembering the stranger's origin and preferences, he took care to include a yard of long French bread, 
a sausage out of which the garlic sang, some cheese which lay down and cried, and a long-necked straw-covered flask, wherein lay bottled sunshine shed and garnered on far southern slopes. Thus laden, he returned with all speed, and blushed for pleasure at the old seaman's commendations of his taste and judgment, as together they unpacked the basket and laid out the contents of the grass by the roadside. The sea-rat, as soon as his hunger was somewhat assuaged, continued the history of his latest voyage, conducting his simple hearer from port to port of Spain, landing him at Lisbon, Oporto, and Bordeaux, introducing him to the pleasant harbors of Cornwall and Devon, and so up the channel to that final quayside, where, landing after winds long contrary, storm-driven and weather-beaten, he had caught the first magical hints and heraldings of another spring, and fired by these, had sped on a long tramp inland, hungry for the experiment of life of some quiet farmstead, very far from the weary beating of any sea. Spellbound and quivering with excitement, the water rat followed the adventurer league by league over stormy bays, league by league over stormy bays, through crowded roadsteads, across harbor bars on a racing tide, up winding rivers that hid their busy little towns round a sudden turn, and left him with a regretful sigh planted at his dull inland farm, about which he desired to hear nothing. By this time their meal was over, and the seafarer, refreshed and strengthened, his voice more vibrant, his eyes lit with a brightness that seemed caught from some faraway sea beacon, filled his glass with the red and glowing vintage of the south, and leaning towards the water rat, compelled his gaze and held him, body and soul, while he talked. Those eyes were of the changing, foam-streaked gray-green of leaping northern seas. In the glass shone a hot ruby that seemed the very heart of the south, beating for him who had courage to respond to its pulsation. The twin lights... The shifting gray and the steadfast red mastered the water rat and held him bound, fascinated, powerless. The quiet world outside their rays receded far away and ceased to be. And the talk, the wonderful talk, flowed on. Or was it speech entirely? Or did it pass at times into song? Shanty of the sailors weighing the dripping anchor sonorous hum of the shrouds in a tearing northeaster. Sonorous hum of the shrouds in a tearing northeaster. Ballad of the fisherman hauling his nets at sundown against an apricot sky. Chords of guitar and mandolin from gondola or cake. Did it change into the cry of the wind, plaintive at first, angrily shrill as it freshened, rising to a tearing whistle? sinking to a musical trickle of air from the leech of the bellying sail. All these sounds the spellbound listener seemed to hear, and with them the hungry complaint of the gulls and the sea mews, the soft thunder of the breaking wave, the cry of the protesting shingle. Back into speech again it passed, and with beating heart he was following the adventures of a dozen seaports. The fights, the escapes, the rallies, the comradeships, the gallant undertakings. Or he searched islands for treasure, fished in still lagoons and dozed day long on warm white sand. Of deep sea fishings he heard tell, and mighty silver gatherings of the mile-long net. 
of sudden perils, noise of breakers on a moonless night, or the tall bows of the great liner taking shape overhead through the fog. Of the merry homecoming, the headland rounded, the harbor lights opened out, the group seen dimly on the quay, the cheery hail, the splash of the hauser, the trudge up the steep little street towards the comforting glow of red-curtained windows. Lastly, in his waking dream, it seemed to him that the adventurer had risen to his feet, but was still speaking, still holding him fast with his sea-gray eyes. And now, he was softly saying, I take to the road again, holding on southwestwards for many a long and dusty day, till at last I reach the little gray sea town I know so well that clings along one steep side of the harbor. There, through dark doorways, you look down flights of stone steps, overhung by great pink tufts of valerian and ending in a patch of sparkling blue water. The little boats that lie tethered to the rings and stanchions of the old seawall are gaily painted as those I clambered in and out of in my own childhood. The salmon leap on the flood tide, schools of mackerel flash and play past caissides and foreshores, and by the windows the great vessels glide, night and day, up to their moorings or forth to the open sea. There, sooner or later, the ships of all seafaring nations arrive, and there, at its destined hour, the ship of my choice will let go its anchor. I shall take my time, I shall tarry and bide, till at last the right one lies waiting for me, warped out into midstream, loaded low, her bowsprit pointing down harbor. I shall slip on board, by boat or along hauser, and then one morning I shall wake to the song and tramp of the sailors, the clink of the capstan and the rattle of the anchor chain coming merrily in. We shall break out the jib and the foresail. The white houses on the harbor side will glide slowly past us as she gathers steering way, and a voyage will have begun. As she forges towards the headland, she will clothe herself with canvas, and then, once outside, the sounding slap of great green seas as she heads to the wind, pointing south. And you, you will come too, young brother, for the days pass and never return and the South still waits for you. Take the adventure. Heed the call now, ere the irrevocable moment passes. Tis but a banging of the door behind you, a blithesome step forward, and you are out of the old life and into the new. Then some day, some day long hence, jog home here, if you will, when the cup has been drained and the play has been played, and sit down by your quiet river with a store of goodly memories for company. You can easily overtake me on the road, for you are young, and I am aging, and go softly. I will linger and look back, and at last I will surely see you coming, eager and light-hearted, with all the south in your face. The voice died away, and ceased, as an insect's tiny trumpet dwindles softly into silence. And the water rat, paralyzed and staring, saw at last but a distant speck on the white surface of the road. Mechanically, he rose and proceeded to repack the luncheon basket, carefully and without haste. Mechanically, he returned home, gathered together a few small necessaries and special treasures he was fond of, and put them in a satchel. Acting with slow deliberation, moving about the room like a sleepwalker, 
listening ever with parted lips. He swung the satchel over his shoulder, carefully selected a stout stick for his wayfaring, and with no haste, but with no hesitation at all, he stepped across the threshold just as the mole appeared at the door. We'll continue our story on our next episode. We are always on the hunt for great stories like these to feature on the show. You can send your suggestions to bigvoicej at gmail.com. We've got a YouTube channel full of stories from the show. Go to tiny.cc slash bedtime. If you found some value in our storytelling tonight, don't forget to show the love. There's a buy me a coffee link on every post. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>